is Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. Here's Deborah Howell. And welcome to the show. I am Deborah Howell, and today we'll ask the question, just what is the anterior approach to hip replacement? Our guest today is Dr. Abraham Kim, an orthopedic surgeon at South County Orthopedic Specialists and Memorial Care Saddleback Medical Center. Welcome, Dr. Kim. Hey, good morning, Deborah. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Excellent to have you. Let's dive right in. What is the anterior approach to hip replacement? So the anterior uh, hip replacement is a minimally invasive, muscle-sparing approach to performing a hip replacement, which is a very common surgery that's been done and that continues to be done in the United States and the world. Short and sweet. Okay. How does this differ from the posterior approach? So the anterior approach is uh, performed through the front of the hip um, rather than having to cut muscle and significantly destabilize the hip with the traditional posterior approach. Okay. Uh, the same hip replacement can be performed without cutting any muscles, and this will result in less trauma to the surrounding tissues and therefore a faster recovery. Well, that sounds uh, great. And how long have uh, surgeons been doing this new approach? So the approach itself uh, has been around for about 40 years or so. Uh, it's been really popularized in terms of uh, its use in hip replacements per se in the last five to 10 years. Okay. And what are the benefits associated with the anterior approach to hip replacement? So since no muscles are cut with the anterior approach, it allows for faster recovery and less restrictions after surgery. Moreover, because patients are positioned flat on their backs during surgery, an x-ray machine is used to ensure, number one, more accurate positioning of the hip replacement component, and number two, no change in the length of the patient's legs from surgery. Oh, that's interesting. So the, uh, the other re- approach often results in legs of being of different length? It, it can more often, correct. Not always. If in the right hands, it can uh, produce very good outcomes and results, just like the anterior approach, but there can be a little bit more variability uh, because the way patients are positioned on their sides and, again, the destabilizing um, uh, effect of cutting the muscles in, through the back of the hip. Okay, this is good, then. No muscle cutting with the anterior approach um, and faster recovery right. and uh, yep. less pain. Am I right to say that? Yes, that's, that's correct as well. So who's a good candidate for anterior approach to hip replacement? So for me personally, I perform all my hip replacements exclusively through the anterior approach. So in my hands, any patient who is a good candidate for hip replacement in general is going to be a candidate for the anterior approach. Give us a couple examples of uh, patients you've seen recently that needed this hip replacement. So I think anyone who is uh, kind of has failed to improve with non-operative treatments like medications, injections, or physical therapy, whose hip pain is getting worse and worse, and they're you know noticing a uh, effect, a negative effect on their quality of life, uh, who is now considering a uh, hip replacement to improve the motion of their hip and improve their pain. Uh, again, they would be a good candidate for a anterior approach uh, hip replacement. Okay, so symptoms are pain, pain getting worse. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe is there a change in their gait? Absolutely. So a lot of my patients with bone-on-bone hip arthritis can start finding can find themselves limping, uh, walking hunched over, using a cane, relying upon uh, you know medications to kind of get them through the day, or uh, having to limit what they would otherwise enjoy doing in terms of being out and about being on their feet uh, because of their hip arthritis becoming more and more symptomatic and limiting to their everyday quality of life. And do some patients think this is just uh, attributed to old age? Absolutely. And I think uh, in general, arthritis 
does tend to happen more often in patients who are older. Uh, it is a process whereby the normal cartilage or the cushioning in the hip uh, wears out over time. So certainly, like any uh, mechanical part, including the tires on our cars, the more miles you have, the more likely you are to uh, have wear and tear. Uh, so certainly, older patients do have a higher likelihood uh, of having arthritis in their hips. However, uh, nowadays, as pa- uh, people stay active, longer, uh, you know, we are starting to see hip arthritis fairly earlier on, even in patients in their, you know, 50s and 60s. Due to sports and just overactivity, right? Correct. So certainly activity can contribute to hip arthritis. Uh, genetics can uh, predispose people to arthritis. Uh, weight can uh, predispose people to arthritis. So there's usually a multitude of factors, not usually one. All right, Dr. Kim, take me through it from start to beginning, from start to finish. Um Mm-hmm. Say my dad is 65 years old. He's still working. He has a couple more years to work. Um, he's having pain. He's mm-hmm. been using a cane. What's his? He wants to get back to work, you know, as soon as possible. So he comes to you one day. You make the diagnosis. You determine he's going to have surgery. Uh, how long is it going to take for the entire process to unfold, where he can, you know, get back in the car, drive, and go to work? Sure. So the the recovery process of surgery is as follows. So. Uh, some patients uh, on uh, after the surgery can go home the same day, uh, while most stay overnight. The surgery itself is about an hour and a half. Uh, after surgery, patients will work with a physical therapist to put full weight on their legs right away after surgery. And uh, this will usually involve uh, using a walker uh, for one to two weeks just to give them stability, uh, followed by a cane for one to two weeks. And thereafter, patients can progress to using no assistive devices. Uh, as far as work is concerned, I generally tell people if uh, they mostly work a desk job, they can look forward to going back as early as anywhere from two to four weeks after surgery. If someone works a more physical uh, or just kind of a, a physically demanding job where they're spending more time on their feet, I would probably kind of put that at more at six to eight weeks before return to work. But again, every patient's a little bit different, but that's about the timeline you're looking at. So I generally say the recovery period is about six to eight weeks or so. Incredible. And unless you drive a stick shift, of course, <laughs> that's going to take you a little longer. Well, that, that's, a, that's a very good question. So driving-wise, <laughs> I tell patients they can go back as early as they feel comfortable. So even with the stick shift car, uh, again, it's all about just pressing the pedal, pedals and feeling comfortable driving the car. So in general, patients aren't on any heavy medications and are kind of feel like they're progressing well enough to try to drive a car. I can and I tell them it's kind of up to them, and I've had patients go back as early as you know a week or two after surgery. Again, that's kind of on the earlier side, but it's really dependent on how the patient's progressing and how confident they feel. And what about a PT regimen? So, actually, PT is an essential part of the recovery process. Uh, patients always will work with a therapist in the hospital uh, to make sure that they're able to familiarize themselves with the use of a walker and a cane, and they're able to demonstrate that they're able to kind of navigate. Uh, around safely so that when they do go home, and the majority of patients do go home after the surgery, um, that they're able to, you know, basically take care of themselves. Uh, in other words, getting from the bed to the bathroom, the kitchen. Uh, obviously, you know, if you have someone to help you out, that's always a added, added bonus, but by no means is it necessary. Um, and uh, once uh, patients are home, uh, the physical therapist uh, will come to your house and uh, work with the patients every two, three days or so to continue to help them do the exercises. Uh, and uh, the most important part of the recovery process, not how often you see the therapist, but how often you're able to keep up the exercises on your own. And uh, with time, uh, the muscles are able to recover, get stronger, um, and 
and really overcome the stiffness and the weakness that a lot of patients have developed uh, prior to undergoing the surgery because they've been dealing with hip pain and, uh, and an altered gait for such a long period of time. Now, you mentioned that the physical therapists come to your house, but then do you also go to a physical therapy sports facility after? That, that's a great question. I appreciate you clarifying that. So, uh, yes, they do. Uh, most patients get uh, therapy at home just for their convenience for anywhere from three or four weeks after surgery, uh, up to three or four weeks after surgery. And thereafter, patients will go to a therapist of their choosing close by and convenient to them. Uh, and they will continue the therapy with an outpatient uh, at an outpatient center where there's a little bit more equipment uh, available to help them continue on in their uh, recovery process. And how many weeks usually? I mean, if, if everything goes well. Sure. So it's usually about a month or so of therapy at home, uh, and then thereafter another month of therapy at, uh, at an outpatient facility. Boy, it sounds like it's a great day to be a hip replacement patient because it really doesn't alter your lifestyle that much. A couple of weeks and you're back to work. Amazing. That's correct. And compared to the amount of pain and disability patients were having before surgery, they, you know, most people noticed an immediate improvement in their quality of life and pain, even as they're recovering from surgery. Which brings me to my last question. Doctor, how does someone know if they should consider hip replacement? Sure. And I think that's a very important question. Uh, so any patient experiencing worsening symptoms of hip arthritis, which can include groin pain, hip pain, and stiffness in the hip, which results in difficulty putting socks and shoes on, uh, would be a candidate for a hip replacement because of these, uh, these are the typical symptoms of hip arthritis. So any patient whose pain, uh, moreover, is no longer responding to the conservative treatments such as medication, physical therapy, and injections can consider undergoing a hip replacement to alleviate his or her pain and improve his or her quality of life. Do you start by going with your um, your main doctor and then he you know refers you to a specialist? That's usually how it's done. Uh, I've had some people, uh, some patients come to see me because they've been recommended by a friend who I, whom I've had the privilege of taking care of. I've had people uh, you know, come to me through a referral from their physical therapist. So uh, but generally, um, the majority of patients do come to me uh, upon referral from their uh, primary care doctor, but there's kind of many, many roads that pa- patients have taken me to uh, taken to come see me. And all roads lead to recovery. Well, we want to thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Dr. Kim. We do appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. For more info or to listen to a podcast of this show, please go to memorialcare.org. That's all for this time. I'm Deborah Howell. Thanks for listening and have yourself a terrific day.